Welcome to episode 199 of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. In this episode, I will be speaking with Lisa Earl McLeod, a global expert on purpose-driven work. She is the author of five books, including the bestseller, Selling with Noble Purpose. We will be talking about how you can lead with a noble purpose. And this is a topic that's very interesting to me because people always say, follow your passion. But Lisa really tells you how to do it in this interview, which is what I love, right? Actionable stuff. That's why we have the Take Action Today segment at the end of every one of these episodes. So I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book called Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. People had their doubts about this podcast taking off, but since inception, we've had close to 2 million downloads and have been cited by Forbes as one of the top 15 most inspiring podcasts for professionals. Let me tell you a little bit more about our guest for today, Lisa Earl McLeod. Lisa has spent two decades helping leaders increase emotional engagement and competitive differentiation. She developed the Noble Purpose methodology after her research revealed purpose-driven organizations outperform their competitors. And she's going to give us some quantitative data on this, which I know we as engineers love, but she's also going to tell us a story about really what shocked her into this path, a conversation she had with a woman that I loved. Lisa is a former Procter & Gamble sales trainer who founded her own firm, McLeod & Moore, Inc., in 2001. Her firm's clients include Cisco, Volvo, and Dave & Busters. Lisa has keynoted in 25 countries and authored over 2,000 articles. She has made appearances on the Today Show and the NBC Nightly News, and her firm's work has been featured in Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and NPR. Lisa's newest book, Leading with Noble Purpose, How to Create a Tribe of True Believers, is a breakthrough book that shows leaders how to win the hearts and minds of their teams and customers. Before we get started, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free, so I ask you to please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, by asking you to listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2019. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your licensure exam. Don't miss it. All right, now I'm going to give you a quote applicable to the topic today to bring us into the interview with Lisa. And I will say that this topic is an interesting and important topic, especially for me. I practiced as an engineer for a while. While I loved doing engineering, my passion was in helping engineers succeed and develop some of the skills that could take their career to the next level, really those management, those communication, those soft skills. And so I kind of went through what Lisa talks about in this podcast. So it was a special one for me. So the quote for today is from Robin Sharma. Leadership is not about a title or a designation. It's about impact, influence, and inspiration. Impact involves getting results. Influence is about spreading the passion you have for your work. And you have to inspire teammates and customers. Now I'm thrilled to welcome Lisa Earl McLeod to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Welcome, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. I mean, you've done a tremendous amount of work all over the world helping people 
on this topic of noble purpose, which we're going to dive into in a moment here. But before we do that, if someone were to ask you what you do on a daily basis, which I know could be a bit of a complex answer, how would you answer that question? We help people make money and make meaning at the same time. Oh, that's great. I love that. And that's really primary reason that I wanted to have Lisa on the podcast, because one of the things that we do, Lisa, is we try to help engineers and technical professionals kind of be the best that they can be in their career. And we do a lot of it by helping them with some of their soft skills and their management skill development. But when I read your book and learned about you online and started reading about noble purpose, I knew that that's a big component of being successful as well. So if we can start there, Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about the Noble Purpose methodology. It sprang out of some work I did uh, over a decade ago with some sales teams. And what the research revealed that the salespeople who sold with what we now call Noble Purpose, which is the salespeople whose intent was to truly make a difference to their customers, outsold the salespeople focused on targets and quotas. And it sounds like, well, duh, of course, people who want to help customers are going to do better than people who are just in it for themselves. But what's interesting is if you extrapolate this out, and I realize we have engineers listening and not necessarily salespeople, but we took that a step further and then started studying what makes people engaging, what makes people successful, what gets them promoted, and what makes companies successful. Underneath it all was people who have the mindset of improving life for the customer and speak that way, direct their actions that way are more successful in an organization. And organizations that have the purpose of improving life to the customers outperform in the stock market on a quarterly basis organizations who are just focused on internal metrics. And the reason for that is if you're just focused on getting the job done to please an internal source or checking off the boxes, you're not going to be as creative and you're not going to be as emotionally engaging as you will be if you're focused on who is this really for and what is the true and noble purpose of this. And when I think about engineering, there's always a user or a client on the end, always. And the more you can focus your organization and your individual activities on that, you'll be more successful individually and collectively. I'm an engineer myself and in doing a lot of coaching and training for engineers and talking with them, I have learned that because of budgets today, when engineering companies do make cuts, they typically make cuts in sales and marketing, which means that engineers need to do more selling, which is even more challenging for them. And so while I think the noble purpose methodology applies to sales and your career in general, I think for engineers, it can apply in both areas, which I think is really, really interesting. So Lisa, was there something specific that helped you to come up with this methodology or made you realize this? There was, and I want to tell you the story about that. But first, I want to go back to something that you said, though, about engineers being in front of clients. We work with a lot of companies that put engineers in front of clients, because oftentimes, even if you have a great sales team, you need the technical expertise. And one of the things that engineers often get so frustrated with, and I completely understand this, is that they're explaining technical things to a client but yet the client doesn't find it interesting or engaging. And that is often because it is the client doesn't perceive that it has anything to do with them. And so the framing on if, if every engineer or engineering manager listening to this call could say, 
before you go in to meet with a client, say, answer one simple question, and that's this. How is this client going to be different as a result of doing business with us? How are they going to be better? And start every conversation from that standpoint. And so I'll tell you about how the noble purpose methodology came about. And it was actually a study we did, some uh, salespeople in the biotech field, where the salespeople were very, very highly skilled in terms of they, a lot of them had science backgrounds. And we did a study of a sales team trying to identify what was the difference between the good salespeople and the exceptional salespeople. And towards the end of the study, I was out in the field with just one representative. And at the time, this study was a blind study. So my team and I were out with a number of representatives. We didn't know who the exceptional ones were. We just knew we weren't with any poor performers. And so we're at the end of the study, and I was with this one um, particular woman. And we, it was time to go to the airport. She was about to, I was about to get out of the car, and it was really hot outside in Phoenix, Arizona. And I thought, oh, God, I just don't want to get out in the seat. So I asked her one more question. And I asked her, what do you think about when you go on sales calls? And she said, well, I don't tell us very many people, but I always think about this one particular patient. And she described in very emotionally engaging terms about a grandmother that she had met that had taken a particular drug that she'd sold and had said it completely changed her life. And she could go on a plane and sit down floor with her grandkids and play with them. And so the sales rep was describing this to me. And she said, you know, that's why I do my job. And this was over a decade ago. People weren't talking that way in business at the time. And so long story short, I realized there's something else going on here besides just the mechanics of doing the job. There's some internal feeling that she has that is informing everything that she does. And it was this mental image of this one patient. And so I thought, I think that might be the differentiator. And I went back and I studied the data and the interviews from all the other representatives. And I found just a handful of people who all alluded to this sense of what we now call noble purpose. And at the end of the study, the biotech company said, who do you think our top performers are? And I said, I think it's this group. And it was only five people. And they said, that's right. Those are our top five performers. And that was where the idea was born. And what happened after that is we studied it across a variety of organizations. We studied it across a number of different performance categories. And the data came back really clear that having this sense of purpose really differentiates the top performers. And what it does is it operates on multiple levels. One, when you have a greater sense of purpose that a client's at the end of this, a customer's at the end of this, a real life human being is at the end of this. Like I said, it makes you more creative. It also makes you more resilient because it's out the boxes. So you push through harder things. And the other thing it does for you when you're in front of clients, people are always reading each other. And they're reading your, and it happens in a nanosecond. If you read that uh, Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink, when your intent is to improve the client's condition, they'll read you completely. Someone else who just wants to get the job done. And so this single discovery that I made ended up launching a whole methodology for keeping this sense of purpose at the front and center when you're in your meetings, when you're planning, when you're doing project reviews and all kinds of things. But even if you're not running the whole company and can't institute at every level, the more you bring in what we call client impact into the daily cadence of business, the more successful you and your team will be. First of all, it's an amazing story. and. You're right. Some of this stuff at face value might sound obvious, but I know myself as well from dealing with a lot of professionals that it's not necessarily obvious. And especially with engineers, I think one of the challenges is that because the projects that we work on are very complex and intricate, there is the tendency 
where it's easy to check off the boxes in terms of, you know, this is done, 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 my project's done. And going back to what you said before you told the story about when engineers or customer facing, what was the question again you said to ask that was great that they could frame out to help them think about the clients? How will this client be different as a result of this project? Or how will this client be different as a result of doing business with us? And that should be the organizing principle. And as you said, it might seem obvious, and it usually is the organizing principle when you start, because that's how you sold it. <laughs> but, but what happens, and, and I've had clients say, well, we, you know, we're all about the customer, but then what I'll do is I'll listen in on their meetings, or I'll get a transcript from their town hall for their senior leadership meetings, and they talk about the customer less than 5% of the time. And so it's, where is your focus as a group? And one of the examples that I often use is if you're a parent, I don't know, are you a parent? You're probably too young. Yeah, I have three young kids, actually. Yep. You got three little kids. Okay. So you can totally relate to this. If you're having, you know, you're thinking about how do we want to handle homework? How do we want to handle allowance? Or maybe you're having a problem with one of the kids, whatever it is. And you and your partner sit down. There are two ways you can approach it. I guess maybe there's three. The first way would be you could ignore it. So that's one way, but you wouldn't be very good parents. But the second way is you could sit down and say, okay, how are we going to handle this homework issue? When do we want to do it? How do we want to do it? Blah, 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 blah. And you could tackle the problem that's in front of you. Or the noble purpose way you can do it is you can decide in your parenting journey that you're raising future leaders. And we, I decided when our oldest was born that I was raising the future president of the United States. So that was a super helpful lens to put on this. And if you decide, we have a bigger purpose here. We're raising future leaders. Now, with that purpose in mind, how are we going to address this homework issue so that those future leaders will be well-prepared when we're not here? You're going to make an entirely different set of decisions around discipline and self-reliance and letting them learn and responsibility. You're going to make a much better set of decisions. If the intent is how are we preparing these people to be leaders? That's a really interesting approach, right? Thinking about the real big picture and how you're leading people as opposed to just how you're solving the problem in front of you for that moment. The problem in front of you. Yeah. And so translate that to an engineer. And if the client bought the project because they're doing, you know, I don't know what, they're trying to get, reinvent their downtown area or whatever it may be just to ground yourself and say, okay, this was about reinventing the entire downtown area. And we got this problem. It's going to, number one, put a different lens on it for you, the engineer. But the other thing that it's going to do is it's going to get everyone else in the room focused on the right place. It's going to make you so much more engaging with a client. If you go back in, okay, we've got this problem, we've got that problem. Let's take a pause here. Let's keep in mind, we're reinventing the entire downtown of this city. So with that in mind, let's approach these columns and get these problems and let's get really creative here or let's really serious or whatever you need to be. No, I think that's great. And in fact, I worked on a project just like that where we redid a, a downtown for a city and to Lisa's point, there was a lot of business owners who had businesses along the street. And I think the approach, if you're following kind of Lisa's lead here is to reach out to those business owners and say, we're kind of trying to revitalize the downtown. We're redoing the street. And we'd love to hear about what might be helpful for you to better engage your customers, to make it easier for people to find you, as opposed to just saying, 
from an engineering perspective, it's easy to lay the road out like this and do this and do this and do that. Right. It puts a totally different lens on things. And then here's the other secret. It also makes it more fun for you. Because when you know, so that one representative who said, I think about that grandmother every single day. She had one. And so compare her. You have two sales representatives and one is waking up every day thinking, there's a million people like that grandmother I need to help. Oh my gosh, I got to get to this, you know, as many doctors as I can. And every time I talk to one and I show them this, this new science, I'm helping people versus the one that wakes up and says, oh my God, I have this huge quota. How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? Like those two people are going to have, not only are they going to have completely different impacts on their customers, which is why the one, the noble purpose rep was the number one rep in the country. But those two people are also going to have completely different experiences of their days and the subsequent, as they go together, of their lives. One person is literally healing the sick and the other person is trying to hit their number. And those are two people that are doing the exact same thing. And the mental frame that they put on it is an experience for every person involved, including the person who's doing it. I'm just thinking, too, a little bit about in terms of engineers presenting things. I know for a lot of times engineers need to present to get their projects approved, for example. And just using my own career as an example, as a civil engineer, oftentimes we were designing layouts of houses or commercial properties. And sometimes if you needed a place to put your stormwater, as opposed to putting it above ground in some kind of an open lake type of basin, you could put it underground. And by doing that, of course, you have so much more area but you'd want to explain to the customer how that would really impact them. So saying things like, you know, you could have extra swing set for your kids or you could have your vegetable garden instead of having a big hole in your backyard with water in it. You can start to understand the benefits, like you said, to the client as opposed to just the technical benefits of doing something or the monetary benefits maybe to the owner or the builder or the contractor. You did say too, Lisa, which was interesting that in your research, you actually saw the financial implications of this, right? The noble purpose? Absolutely. So there's two places we saw the financial implications. The sales rep who says, my purpose is to improve life for customers. The one who's thinking about the grandmother. We've had other people. It's not always a, a life-changing business. It's in the plumbing business. It's in financial services. Someone who wakes up and says, I'm here to improve life for this customer, outsells someone who says, I'm here to hit my number. The other thing is, there have been a lot of studies on this. One of them was done by, I used to work for Procter & Gamble, a former P&G colleague of mine, Jim Stengel, who used to be the CMO. He, after he left there, he did a great study that showed organizations with a purpose bigger than money outperformed the market by over 350%. And that's because everyone in that organization is lined up around client impact. And your example that you gave is really good. And so one of the things that a lot of times people say is, well, they know that. I shouldn't have to explain that to them. But, you know, they know they can do whatever they want with that backyard. But with you putting a mental image there, there's some neuroscience behind this. You're actually creating a totally different reaction from that person because we all have different layers of our brain. And an engineer would appreciate this. If you're showing someone a bunch of facts and figures, and here's the way it's going to work, you're using certain parts of your brain. You're using a lot of middle brain activity. You're using a little bit of your frontal lobe, but not a lot. What happens if you say, you can put a playground right here, and 
you know, this is going to enable you, you could have a playground for 15 kids right here. Or if you say, what would you put there? You've got all that space and they go, I don't know, a playground. How many kids would you want? You ignite their frontal lobes. And so you shift from, and this is going to cause a bunch of engineers to go and think, but you shift from that factual piece to an emotional piece. And this is really, really important because what happens is logic makes you think, but emotion makes you act. And so the technical specs and all of that, those are critical, but they're table stakes. What creates urgency in people is a more emotive response. So the more that you can paint a picture, so that sales rep who's a better seller is a better seller because while the other guy has the quota in his head and his spreadsheet, that one seller has a picture of the grandmother. So she's more driven. She's more emotionally engaging. As an engineer, if you have a mental picture of how this is going to affect real life human beings when you're done, you're going to be more emotionally compelling. And if you can articulate that picture, then you're going to share that dialogue with your client. And that's going to make them lean into the conversation a lot more than technical specs will. Like Lisa said, you have to be thinking about the client, be client focused. And that's something that is can be contagious, right? Lisa, if a leader does it, then they can get their team to start to do it. And then the company as a whole. That is It is so critical that the leader do it because when the leader sits up there and says, we're going to close 25 projects this year, or we're going to do 50 gajillion dollars worth of business, that's great. And that's better than having no goals back to the parenting. It's better than doing nothing. But when the leader says, we're going to close 25 projects, and let me tell you, they're going to affect 110,000 lives. And let me show you what life is going to be like for those 110,000 people if we do this. That is a visual image, an emotional image that you can hold on to. That's something that you go home and tell your spouse about. That's how you create a belief. A group of facts will never create a belief. Now, people have agreement on a group of facts, but that's because there was a narrative that got them to believe those facts. So if you're trying to create that esprit de corps top performing company, you need to have a shared set of beliefs. And the beliefs that are the most powerful are the beliefs that are about how your work makes a difference in the lives of others. That shared belief is the secret of top performing company. That's powerful stuff. And we're going to have Lisa stick around here in a minute for the take action today segment. Just wrap this up for you because I know you probably got a lot of thoughts coming up about this in your head right now. But Lisa, before we transition into that, one other thing I want to talk to you about, you wrote an article on LinkedIn a few years ago about millennials. It's called Why Millennials Keep Dumping You, an open letter to management. And this this thing exploded. I mean, the numbers are amazing. But we get a lot of emails from managers, executives, CEOs, even saying, you know, I'm struggling a little bit with millennials. I'm not sure how to manage them. And you give some great points in this article. We'll definitely link to the whole article for you in our show notes so that you can check it out. But what made you write that article? Was it something that happened or a question you got? Because it really was amazing how much it exploded. That article was actually written with my older daughter, who is a millennial. And the roots of that article were her watching all of her peers who were very high performers. She went to Boston University, graduated with honors. Everyone's excited. They get out of school. And watching these people who went out there to take on the world, watching them become very jaded and disengaged. A lot of times the millennials get a bad rap 
but I'm not in the category of people who gives them a bad rap because what I have observed is in top-performing companies, they get top-performing millennials. But the difference that people need to understand about millennials, you know, human beings are all very different. But what prompted us to write that article was one of the key differences between millennials and other generations, everyone wants purpose and meaning at work. The millennials are the first group that will quit if they don't have it. People my age wanted purpose and meaning, but in most cases, if they didn't get it, they take a paycheck instead. But the millennials were raised to believe that they were going to make a difference in the world. That's interesting, actually. And when I was reading it, you know, we won't go through all the points in your article, but like, for example, the one that said ROI is not enough for me, right? Talk to me about how we can make a difference. It really ties into the, all of the noble purpose that we've been talking about, right? It does. And my daughter ended up, she was in advertising and watching what was happening. Her name's Elizabeth Letardo. But watching what was happening to all of her friends, she ended up getting coming to work in my company and also getting a master's in industrial psychology because what she was watching was the same thing I was seeing, which was this huge group of talented, ambitious, and yes, hardworking. I mean, low-performing millennials, I get, they're always on their phone, blah, 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 blah. But the best ones really work very, very hard. And we were watching all these people disengage. And so if you're a CEO and you're trying to attract top millennials, the first thing you need to do is get really clear on how your organization makes a difference because the foosball titles, the Starbucks, the gyms, like all that's nice. But we have several clients like Hootsuite, like Salesforce, like G Ventures. We've got a construction company in Omaha that is attracting top performing millennials, a company called um, Foundation Support Works. And they, all of those companies I just listed are attracting top performing millennials because they are super dialed in to how they make a difference in the lives of customers. And they keep that alive. And they, we've worked with all their leaders on how to coach to this because it's not enough to say good job. If you really want to jazz up anybody, but particularly a millennial, then you need to say, did you see the look on the customer's face when you delivered that? It was amazing. You did that. You made that difference. Go you. That type of feedback is just exponentially more engaging than good job at a boy. And once again, we're going to link to Lisa's article. It's a short list of points, but they're very powerful. And it's great to hear that you and your daughter worked on that together based on her experience, because it did seem very much like it had that feel that someone had gone through it really and was offering just this amazing advice. So we'll share that. All right. So once again, we're speaking with Lisa Earl McLeod. We're talking about noble purpose. And what we're going to do is take a short break, and then we're going to come back and wrap this one up with our Take Action Today segment and give you one action that you can take to kind of act on, on everything you're hearing here because we want to kind of wrap it up and, and give you something to act on. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the episode where Lisa and I are going to wrap this one up for you and give you one action item that you can move on as soon as you're done listening to this episode. However, before we do that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Do you feel stuck in your job? Not sure how to move forward? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to move up in your career is to get your engineering license. The best place to gather info on licensure and pick from multiple print and digital review options is PPI2Pass.com. 
PPI has helped over 4 million engineers, including me, pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. They offer licensure exam prep for the FE, PE, and SE exams, so no matter where you are on your path to career advancement, you can count on PPI support. Take the first step towards making 2019 a great year for you professionally and check out everything PPI offers to make your journey to engineering licensure as smooth as possible. Save 15% when you use the code EMI15 at checkout. Visit ppi2pass.com to find essential licensure exam prep books, digital review, and helpful tips and advice. That's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S.com. All right, we're back with Lisa Earl McLeod, author of Leading with Noble Purpose and several other books, which we'll tell you about in a moment. But we want to kind of wrap this interview up here in a way that you can take action on this whole idea of a noble purpose, which, believe me, I know is not something easy for engineers to take in because I'm an engineer myself. And I understand that we think analytically, we think in terms of checking the boxes, but we also, I know we need to think about the customers, the clients, depending on the field you work in. So Lisa, based on what we've talked about here, what can our listeners do if they really want to do one thing that they can take action on their noble purpose? So the one thing you can do that will change things for you is to ask the question, how will the client be different as a result of, and then fill in the blank, this project, doing business with us? And where you want to ask this question is in a couple of different places. You want to ask it before you walk into a client meeting. You want to ask it in your meetings with your team. Well, tell me, how's the client going to be different? And really push if they say, well, they'll have the six, five, six hundred. No. What impact will it have on them? How will their business be different? How will their life be different? Get people to articulate the impact that it has on the client. So if you ask that question in your meeting, when you're with a client, when you deal with a problem, what effect is this problem going to have on the client? How will this client be different if we don't get this solved? Ask that question at the critical junctures and to get everyone on the same page, and you'll find that your mind shifts. And I want to say something important to engineers. You, know, you talk about left brain, right brain, hard skills, golf skills. This is a layer on top of engineering skills. So don't silo this in your mind and create a false dichotomy. This is what takes your engineering skills and makes it compelling and makes you engaging for everyone. Because there's a lot of good engineers out there. There's only a handful of them that are going to be put in front of the very best clients. There's only a handful of them that are going to rise up to leadership. And if if you want to be one of those people, engineering competence alone is not going to get you there. It'll get you far. But what's going to put you as the one that's in front of the client that's leading the team is going to be your ability to rally people around something compelling. And that's where noble purpose comes in. And it's always about the impact you're having on clients. And I love that last thought there about really thinking of it as part of your engineering skills, as opposed to something completely different, right? Think about how it intertwines with your skills and everything you're doing. And one thing I'll just add to that, being an engineer myself and working with a lot of clients and on a lot of projects is in terms of the question or the different ways you could ask that question that Lisa kind of framed out for you, you may not always have the answer, but like Lisa said earlier on in the episode, just ask the client, right? We're working on a project here in your town. We want to improve things. What would make 
this intersection better, for example, or what would make this roadway better or safer? You don't have to have all the answers yourself. That's almost heresy to an engineer. But I'll tell you, the act of asking and the act of them answering, how will life be different around here if this is successful? The act of them answering creates greater urgency and greater buy-in for your project. It doesn't have to come from you. When they say it, it becomes more powerful. Lisa Earl McLeod, thanks again for joining us here on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Where can our listeners find you, find your books, find your content? Google Noble Purpose. And there I am. I've got uh, two books on this, Shelling with Noble Purpose and Leading with Noble Purpose. They're both also on audiobook. And we also have a Life on Purpose weekly newsletter that we send out. And it covers, we cover a lot of topics like this in it. It's tips every week. It's, you can read it 90 seconds or less guaranteed. And it's just hacks to help you be more compelling and enjoy your life more. And that's right. Scroll down on our website and you can sign up. But just Google Noble Purpose and you will find us. And the website is mcleodandmore.com, correct? mcleodandmore.com, yeah. All right. So Lisa, thank you so much again for spending some time with us. Your message is very powerful. And I believe that you've given our listeners not only the message, but you've given them a way that they can take it and apply it, which is extremely valuable. So thank you so much for doing that. Perfect. It was a pleasure to be with you. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Lisa Earl McLeod. She is really good at what she does. And you can see that she's passionate about helping people lead with passion. And that's exciting to me. All right, a couple of quick announcements. If you're in the New York City area and you want to come to an all-day live training that I'll be giving, I'm partnering with ENR, and we're going to be putting on the Engineering Management Training Symposium April 16th in New York City. Visit enr.com forward slash EMTS. That stands for Engineering Management Training Symposium. That's enr.com forward slash EMTS. It's going to be a very interactive session, a lot of back and forth, and you'll actually get the chance to present if you sign on for the afternoon session, which again will push you beyond your comfort zone, which is how you thrive and grow as an engineering manager. If you're not in New York City, but you still want to get some management training, you can visit engineer2manager.com for our online engineering management workshop called the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop. We're currently in the middle of a session, but because of the demand, we are doing another session That'll be May and June. That will end before the July 4th holiday. So you can check that out at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. And remember, if you're looking for the show notes for this episode, go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org under the content tab. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, episode 199. We'll link to any resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And don't forget to check out our live webinar for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer 
your own success.